is a story from this week, my work week. Now, most of you know that I have a custom bagging business and it can get pretty hectic in the spring and fall. Well, Wednesday morning, my day started pretty typical. About 5.30, I was up and by 8 o'clock, I was bagging feed an hour away from home down in Brownsburg, Virginia. I was expecting a moderately long day because I knew the chopping crew would be harvesting quite a number of small fields, added up to around 105 acres, and the farm always takes a while. It's a very, it's a tough farm to, for them to harvest because how small and cut up it is and how far the fields are apart. But we've done, we've, I've worked at this farm many times, and we can normally finish it in a good day's work. But I'd noticed when I drove down there, I drove past some of the fields that we were going to be chopping, I noticed the feed was really heavy. It was a beautiful crop. So, but I also knew this was the first job of the season for the chopping crew, and that always proves a little interesting because they have to work the winter kinks out of the equipment and normally there's some, you know, a few things that they have to work on. And But I was mildly surprised as the day wore on, the feed just kept coming in and things were going pretty smooth. We filled one bag and started on another. After a while, that bag got full, so we moved. We had to move all the way to the other side of the bag pad. There was a couple small bags in the middle, so we had to move to the other side and, and uh, started a third bag. And partway through that bag, though, I was there waiting on a truck, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Man, something must be wrong. I hate to bother the crew, you know, call them and bug them. And after a while, it's, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour, finally, Mike, the chopper man, called me and said, hey, we broke the chain on the chopper, but we're back up and running. Oh, good, okay. Pretty soon, feet start coming in again. So, about the time, day kept going on and on, and feed just kept rolling in, we kept doing the job. About the time that Brother Sheldon was getting up to, uh, to expound on, on the first part of Ephesians 5 here at church, we got the third bag full, and so we moved beside it bag pad actually starting to slope up a little bit, but we moved right on the edge of the pad and started another, laying another bag. And it wasn't too long. The day started to fade, and soon we were turning on lights to keep going, and the feed kept coming in. After a while, the fourth bag got full. We had to find another place to lay egg bags. The farmer showed up, uh, showed us a place back behind his dairy barn, it was a nice place to work. So I moved my machine back around between his barns and set up for the fifth bag for the day. And not all these bags were real big. Some of the places we had to lay them were pretty short. So. But it was, a, it was a fair amount of feed. Well, <clears throat> by this time, it was somewhere around 11 o'clock in the evening. We started bagging again. The feed kept coming. And we kept on working. Soon it was midnight. Then 1 o'clock. By this time, the fifth bag was getting full. We had to figure out what to do with the rest of this feed. So I called the farmer, and we looked around there, and finally decided the best place to put it was on the back side of the bag we were already on. But we had a problem. 
it was going to be just a little tight getting back there. The first bag, <clears throat> the end of the bag was not too far from where a bank dropped off. And it kind of leaned between the bag, first bag, and that bank. And if you all know my machine at all, it's kind of top-heavy, especially when it's unfolded. And as I pulled away, and I was going to back back around there, I was thinking about the fact that the heavy side of my machine was leaning downhill. It was a little uncomfortable. It was a little scary. But I breathed a word of prayer and eased back through there and made it. Got back and set up for the sixth bag for the evening. And <clears throat> finally, the sixth bag got full. No, I'm sorry, it didn't get full. The last truck came in. It was around 2.45 in the morning when that last truck finally rolled in there. Boy, was I ever glad to be done. It had been a long, hard, but good day. We'd provided the farmer with quite a bit more feed than he expected to. And all in all, everything had gone pretty good. Yeah, there were some hiccups. We had, they had a breakdown. We had to look for a place and wasn't sure how I was going to get around the end of that bag. And it was kind of scary a couple times. And sometimes we had to just wait. But I was done. I was ready to go home. I was tired. And I realized how tired I was. I mean, 3 o'clock in the morning is normally by that time kind of weary. Then it hit me. I wasn't home yet. My work day was done, but I wasn't home yet. That's the title of the message. We're not home yet. My responsibilities for the day was done. I'd done my job and completed the task at hand, but I couldn't stop and rest. I had to keep going. And the most dangerous part of my day was ahead of me. Because of my weariness, that hour on the road between me and the love of my life had more potential for, for catastrophic failure than the other 22 hours of that day it had. For me to make it safely home, I was going to have to find a way to keep myself awake and alert. So before I left the farm, my wife had sent me a link to one of Brother Robert Showalter's sermons. And so I followed that link and hooked it up on my Bluetooth and I started listening to a sermon by Brother, Show, by Brother Robert. And between that sermon and God's protection and a conversation with the love of my life, I made it home. An hour later, I rolled into the house. Praise the Lord. Now you may be thinking, why in the world did I tell a story about a boring day at work? Well, here's why. As I was headed home, this sermon was on my mind, and it suddenly hit me how much my day was like Brother Elam's life. I wasn't necessarily planning on preaching a sermon based on, his, on your retirement, Brother Elam, but it hit me, that's the way our lives are. I believe Brother Elam has been a farmer. Now he works at CLP. They've raised a family, and they've been an immense blessing everywhere he's gone, they've gone in life. Sister Ellen has been, a continu 
has been and continues to be a very wise and confidential friend to many. Her counsel has given many ladies and girls direction for life and spiritual guidance. Brother Elams have had ups and downs. They've had times of waiting. Not knowing what the next step in life was going to be, but they kept on. They kept on serving even when the hours got long and they were tired. I'm sure there were times in life that seemed a bit scary. They weren't sure how they were going to make it through. But they did make it, and here they are. Their responsibilities as a pastoral couple is coming to a close. They've done the job of church leadership that they were called by God to do. But they aren't done yet. They're not home yet. The challenges of life won't necessarily lessen. In fact, they may actually become greater. Just like my drive home after that long day's work. My goal for the message is to encourage those among us who are approaching or in their retirement years to keep awake and alert. Because there's still potential for a wreck to happen because you aren't home yet. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12, this passage was written to a young man, warning him to live carefully. But there's some admonition in this passage for all of us. I'd like to start by looking at the first seven verses first. These verses are painting a pretty discouraging picture of the years we will face unless God calls us home at an early age. We could be discouraged with, <clears throat> with what we read here, but they're a fact of life. I think we, we assume the author was Solomon. We don't know for sure. But Solomon had watched, had seen a lot of things in life. And at this point, he was an old man. He, had, he was experiencing what he was talking about here, if we understand... Um, if people, well, if commentators understand about what his age should have been, where where he would have been in life. So I want to read this these first seven verses. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever, or ever the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. 
Remember, this is written to a young man. It's a reminder to us younger people that age is no respecter of persons. You will um, face the same thing that the older people around you face. And think about that as you live your life. And as we go through this message, he gives an answer to that. How do we how do we think about that? So what do we do in our younger days that help us in our in our older age? So I'd like to look at these verses and, and explain what he's talking about here, at least <laughs> to the best of my understanding. There's definitely different ways of interpreting this. <clears throat> But this, these are things that we all will face. Verse 1, remember now thy Creator. Build a relationship with your Creator. Build a relationship with God when you're young so that when you face these hard things in life, He's your mainstay. He's your strength. As we get older, the things that we enjoy enjoyed all our life become harder and harder to do. And eventually there are very few physical pleasures left to enjoy. It's just a fact. And the next six verses sort of flesh that out, verses 2 through 7. <clears throat> so he's saying build that relationship so that when there's not other things to enjoy, we can still enjoy our relationship with God. I remember early Thursday morning when I climbed into my truck at 3.15 in the morning. My day's work was done, but I wasn't home yet. I could have driven about 10 miles to a truck stop. There's two of them right down at the Rafine exit. Nice place to pull off. Could have grabbed a shower, ordered up some food, jumped in the bunk of my truck, and I could have slept. But something kept me going. I wasn't home yet. I wanted to see the love of my life. I had a reason to keep going, even though I was tired. The author says the same thing here in verse 1. Build that relationship with God. Make Him the love of your life now. So that when your day is almost done, you have a reason to keep going. You want to get home. I do want to look at the difficulties of aging that every one of us will face. Let's look at verse 2. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. As a young man, you've got good sight. It's almost across the board. As we age, our sight gets, starts to get less and less. I'm feeling it. I don't know if you all see me kind of do this a little bit. I'm not old, but I'm already having a hard time focusing some. I'm probably going to need reading glasses before too terrible many years. We're going to face failing sight. Now, a lot of these things have been, they're not as dramatic as they used to be, but they're still there. The, our medical technology is, has made aging a lot easier than it was at this time, but it's still a fact. We'll face these things. Verse 3. It brings out, we'll lose strength. And often there's an onset of shakiness. 
Keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves. Our backs start to bow, possibly from back pain or arthritis, and you see that quite often. It says, the grinders cease because they are few. We start to lose our teeth. Those look out of the windows be darkened. It's just hard to see. Verse 4 speaks of loss of hearing. But they wake up at every time a bird twits outside the window. Can't hardly sleep at night. Don't sleep deep. But they can't hear very good. It's both in that verse. Verse 5 brings out fear of heights and fear of what might happen when you try to go somewhere. And it talks about the almond tree shall flourish. And many believe, and I I think it's right, that almond trees turn white when they flourish. And it would be referring to becoming white-haired as we get older. And it says even, let's see where it... um, Mentions the grass, okay, and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail. Even small things like grasshoppers become an annoyance and a, they're, they're a problem. We, we, you know, when we're young, we just don't think about a lot of those things, but when we're older, things start to bother us, didn't used to bother us. Our natural appetites and desires will become less and less and eventually fail. And I think Jay, could, Jay and Sally could testify to the, the hard, how hard it is to get old people to eat. The fact is, end of verse 5, death awaits us all. The mourners go about the streets. Verse 6 gives us four illustrations of death. Silver cord, golden bowl, pitcher of the fountain, or the wheel at the fountain, or the wheel of the cistern. All four are precious items in their day, specifically. A silver cord. A golden bowl is a very precious item, but you break that golden bowl, it's done, it's run. The uh, pitcher at the fountain, without that pitcher, you're not getting water. Without the wheel at the cistern, you're not getting water. When they're broken, they're broken, it's done. Those pictures of death, we all will face those things. What are we doing as young people? To prepare our hearts, prepare ourselves for when we face that time in life. So this verse has just gave us a very grim picture of the end of our lives. But praise God, that's not all there is. There's fulfillment in the latter years. There's a reason to keep going, even when we're exhausted and want to quit. There's a drive or desire in us that never goes away, praise God. That desire is the desire for fellowship for communion with other people and with our Maker. That never goes away. That is something that we can enjoy, hopefully, till the day we die. The desire to, be, to communicate and to be loved, that's why the author says to remember our Creator when we are young. Make Him the love of our life when we're young, so that that desire to be with Him gives us the strength to keep going when we are old. I like to look at verses 8 to 14. And remember as we read these verses, 
that when the author refers to the preacher, he's referring to himself. And he was an old man at the time of this writing. And he knew what he was talking about from experience. Let's read verses 8 to 14. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. Of making of many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Even though this preacher knew that everything in, in life is vanity, all that we work so hard for, all that we pursue, is a vapor. He didn't give up. He wanted to continue to be an encouragement to others. He kept seeking out wise things to pass on to his son, like he's doing right here in this passage. Verse 11 says that the words of the wise, or you could say, um, encouragement from the elderly. I like, the, I like encouragement from the elderly, elderly better than words from the wise, but they're both the same thing. Or I'll, I'll just say, as I view our, the elderly in our congregation, the older people that I know, their words carry a lot more weight than some other people I know because they've got experience. They've seen life. They've understood what it takes to make it through life. It says here that the, the words of the elderly as, are as goads. They encourage us younger ones on. They're like nails. They help to hold together and build our convictions. You as older people have an impact on us younger people. Sometimes even when we don't know it, by what you say, by your actions in life, they're nails in our convictions, building us up, giving us courage, holding what we believe together because of what you believe. I believe it's what he's saying here. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone mention a sermon they remember from Brother Elam or some illustration that he gave in a message that has stuck with them through life. Over and over I've heard people mention sermons, sermons that I've never met or I've never heard. One specifically that I kind of wish I could hear is called Three Dead Flies. People have mentioned these things. Our words help people even when we don't know. We don't remember what we said. They encourage people on. Quite often when I'm studying for a sermon or trying to figure out how to handle a difficult situation in life, the words of my dad or some other older person, brother or sister in the church will come to mind and their wisdom get, helps me 
make decisions in my life. Those words are prodding me on, giving me fortitude and strength. You're not done yet. Keep going. To those of you that are, feel, that are feeling the effects of age, and maybe you're experiencing some of what the author of Ecclesiastes is writing about in this passage, hold on. Don't get discouraged. You have something the rest of us do not. You have years of experience that builds wisdom. The rest of us need you and your encouragement, an example to help us along our way. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. I'm going to ask you a question. What is the purpose in life? What is the reason we are here? The author describes that reason in verse 13 when he says, Fear God and keep His commandments. I believe that what we do, that we do that by pursuing a relationship with God. If you fear God in the way the Bible's talking about fear, it means building a relationship and wanting to understand who God is and what He expects of you so that you can live a life that's pleasing to Him. Building a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And that pursuing of God does not end when we retire. I know Brother Elams know this. It does not end when we can't see or when we can't hear. Or when we lose our natural appetites. It only ends when we get home. When we enter into His presence. And we don't have to seek Him because we will be with Him. Then we don't have to fear Him because we will know Him as He is. It ends when we finally get to see the love of our life. And are in person with Him. But he ends with this warning in verse 14. There will be a judgment. And that is why we can't give up. We can't let ourselves fall asleep at the wheel. We need to listen to encouraging messages. And talk to the love of our life. So we can stay awake and alert on the long drive home. Isn't our goal, isn't it our goal to make it safely home? And to take as many with us as we can, encourage as many as we can along that way so that they too will be with us there at home when we get home. We need to stay awake and alert no matter what stage of life we are. I know this message is, has been pointed towards the retiring age of our, of our um, church. But all of us, are we awake and alert? And doing what it takes to keep ourselves focused on the road ahead. But I want to leave you with one more promise from the New Testament. It's found in Hebrews 6. Well, actually, I'm going to read it out of the NIV. And I'm going to read this passage as a personal encouragement to Brother Elams. But it's for each of us here this morning. I want you to listen as I read this, these two verses. Brother Elam and Sister Ellen, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized.
God is faithful. Your reward is waiting. Don't let weariness stop you. There's a quote I heard this week. If you get tired, learn to rest, but don't quit. I think that is vital for all of us Christians. Learn to rest. We have to take a rest sometimes. But don't quit, because we're not home yet. Let's have a song.